welcome you this morning in the name of Jesus and a special welcome to our mothers that are among us. Lord bless you. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. Part of being a mom is involves providing food and uh, for the family or presenting it to the family and uh, that is not limited to motherhood. I think there's plenty of men among us that enjoy food preparation and that has a varying degree on from one man to another. I uh, I enjoy food, I enjoy working with food and uh, to a limited degree and uh, of all the cookbooks that my wife has I I usually pull this one from the shelf Woodlawn Favorites, Woodlawn Mennonite Church in Ontario, Canada and uh, there's a recipe in there that I that fell upon my lot to do and that's treated pretzels so it, it's very simple and uh, I usually end up doing the uh, treated pretzels at our house if we decided to have them but uh, so yesterday as I was thinking about the roles of mothers and and the food preparation and I don't know if I was hungry or not I don't know but I uh, I happened to uh, I looked at I pulled the Mennonite cookbook out there first because it was the most convenient and I thought it was it was fat it looked impressive and uh, anyway, I went back to the Woodlawn cookbook, and so I was just scanning through it. I had been reading the scripture before, and and trying to uh, pull my thoughts together. And uh, as I as I was scanning through the cookbook, you'd never guess what I came across. It was a never fail recipe, and that's exactly what I'm after, right? Uh, at least for us men, we, we we'll put it to the test, won't we? Never fail. Uh, well, this is a never fail pastry and I never tried it. I don't know if I will or not, but it takes one egg, one teaspoon of vinegar, uh, one cup of lard, one teaspoon of baking powder, quarter teaspoon of salt, and then five cups of flour. And it gives instructions. This is beat the egg and vinegar in measuring cup, add enough water to make three quarter cup, add remaining ingredients and mix well. Pastry can be used for tarts. It's given by Mrs. Reuben Irma, Emma Ballman. So I was thinking about that, uh, you know, the never fail recipe. And I guess as mothers this morning, I'd like to share with you a never fail recipe. Uh, and I was blessed as I looked at this account here in First Kings chapter 17. And I'm going to read through this chapter and then come back and share some thoughts that I feel are are something that we, and this is not exclusive, exclusive to mothers, it, it can be something that we can apply to all of our lives as well. I, I need never fail uh, recipes as I go through life. I'd like to give you just a setting here in uh, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 33, and actually uh, this was mentioned somewhat in the Sunday school. Ahab was mentioned. I think Mike mentioned him. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. 
So we're, we're coming into the setting of our story this morning in a very dark, very bad time, a very time of, a uh, time of, uh, walking away from God and, uh, following their own ways and doing that which was unpleasing to God. And I, I meditated on that concept for a little bit. To think that you would have a legacy, that you have done more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than anyone that has any of the kings of Israel that were before him. You know, very, very disappointing, very sad. And uh, it's certainly not something that one wants to take very lightly, to realize that you have lived a life, you have been entrusted with the responsibility of leading God's people, and you have left a legacy of of inciting the anger of God uh, to that degree. Very, very sad, very, very unfortunate. So that's the setting of our story here this morning, coming to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, that's who we were talking about before, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the book Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Sarpeth, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Sarpeth. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a course. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in, and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel meal shall not waste, neither shall the course of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he in her house did eat many days, and the barrel meal wasted not. Neither did the course of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass, after these things, that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourney by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. 
And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came in unto him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Very interesting account, very powerful truths that we find here in evidence by Elijah's um, faith in God. Elijah was a prophet. He was a faithful messenger of God. He was faithful in uh, fulfilling his responsibility before God in comparison to Ahab. The name Elijah means, my God Jehovah is he which is viewed as the holiest name of God. Jehovah is viewed as the holiest name of God. And that's what Elijah's name meant. And in verse 1, we see that the Lord God of Israel, uh, he addresses himself as, uh, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. And he, I think, was reminding Ahab that even though you are not giving Ahab, even though, even though Ahab is king of Israel and the Israelites in general were not giving the God of Israel his rightful place, yet he still was the king. And he still was the God of Israel. Even if they didn't serve him, even if in spite of their failures, in spite of our failures, God is still God. And, uh, I was impressed as I, uh, use, as I look at the term that Elijah use, uses. He says, uh, he uses the word liveth. God is alive today. And, uh, he is not dead like Ahab's idols were. Ahab was offering sacrifices to dead idols. And, uh, Elijah reminded him that the God of Israel is alive. He liveth even as he lives today. How alive, how alive does God seem to you this morning? Um, have you talked to Him today? As we prayed this morning, I, I trust you have talked to Him, communicated to Him. Are you listening for His response to your prayers? I'd like to remind you, mothers, this morning that you're never in the kitchen of life alone. The Master Chef knows the recipe. And you only need to follow his directions. And we see that exemplified so well in the life of Elijah and also the widow woman as well. And, uh, sir, I want to remind you that you are never in the kitchen of life alone. The master chef who knows the recipe for the success of life, the success of building homes, the success of building uh, lives for his kingdom is his pride and joy. And uh, God will help you to do that. You only need to follow his instructions and follow his never-fail recipe. God comes to Elijah after he had delivered that message to Ahab. And uh, if you know who the queen was, Jezebel, she was a very wicked woman. And uh, we can read about her back further there in the First Kings 16 perhaps, but... Uh, not that God couldn't have protected Elijah from Jezebel or Ahab or any of the others that uh, uh, we do know that Elijah did receive some flack for uh, his uh, prophetic uh, 
announcement of what was going to take place. God was uh, punishing Israel for their rejection of him. And uh, God instructed Elijah that he needs to uh, remove himself from the scene and availability. And in verse 3, he said, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Chirith, that is before Jordan. Uh, at this point, I don't think God had anything more to tell Ahab. He didn't have anything more for Elijah to do. Uh, but in spite of that, God wasn't going to leave him setting. God had a plan. God had a purpose in mind. And he wanted Elijah there to... He was going to sustain Elijah by hiding there in the by the brook uh, Cherith. Uh, as I thought about that, I... I uh, I thought, you know, it's, you know, as human beings, we tend to get in a hurry. And uh, especially when you come to preparing food, uh, don't try and hurry God's recipe. When God says, let it set, let it wait, you know, that's important. And, uh, you know, when the recipe says, let it, let it simmer for so long, you better let it simmer for that long. If the recipe says, prepare it and set it in the fridge for a while, you got to do that. And uh, so I thought of that aspect of it. When God says, Elijah was following God's recipe to the T. He said, remove yourself from before Ahab and go hide yourself by the brook. And uh, Elijah did that. He, he was, and God was not going to leave him set. God was going to sustain him there. He told him that. He didn't, he didn't give him a lot of details. You know, Elijah could have uh, had a lot of questions. And uh, the little brook that he was hiding there is actually a, a tributary to the Jordan River. And, uh, you know, we, we, as we read through here, we saw that that finally dried up as well, too. Uh, the ravens, I imagine Elijah had some thoughts in his head. You know, ravens bringing uh, bread and, and, uh, and uh, flesh twice a day. You know, what's the likelihood of that happening? I'm, I'm told that ravens oftentimes even neglect their own young. And here they are sustaining Elijah. And uh, But I was impressed as I... I saw the patience of Elijah in, in following through with God's, you know, just taking it one step at a time. And you know, that's when a recipe can be a never-fail recipe when you follow it one step at a time and uh, follow it to the to the uh, to the T. The ravens were created by God, and they were also subject to him. And as I thought about that, I thought in, that question came back to me. Uh, first of all, where was Israel? They were created by him. God had a plan for Israel. God had a purpose for them, and they were neglecting that. They were walking away from that relationship with him. But then the question came to me, what about my accountability to God? Uh, God has created me, and God has created you, and God has a purpose for your life this morning. Each one of us. And uh, where am I at in relation to God's design and plan and purpose for my life? And as I thought about it specifically for our message here this morning, God has a plan for mothers. Uh, as I was meditating on that, I thought, you know, that I don't know if you ever thought about this, but God actually used the role of motherhood to provide the redemption, the bringing of his son. Uh, we think about it maybe at Christmas time, and we, you know, it's something we know and we accept it, but to think that, that God used the role of motherhood to bring his, the plan of redemption to, to fruitation. And, uh, you know, God certainly could have created Jesus Christ, brought him on the scene if he would have wanted to, 
Uh, he would not have maybe had to, it was his way of attaching humanity to uh, the sacrifice that he made. And if you stop and think about that truth, it's, it's almost overpowering, at least it is to me, to think that God could take uh, the role of motherhood and bring his only begotten son through that channel. And through that channel, the the humanity portion was attached to it, that, that we needed that perfection, that perfect man. And uh, so that's a blessing as we see God using that role in bringing about redemption for us. The uh, verse 6, it, it just reiterates, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Uh, I, I don't know what the bread was. I don't know what the flesh was. Uh, but it was sustaining for Elijah. And uh, Elijah partook of it. Uh, being in the Old Testament, was it clean meat? You know, ravens were carriers, I think. And, you know, what were they bringing? Even if it was unsanctified meat when the ravens picked it up, I believe the Lord sanctified it into delivery. Uh, however, we don't know. I Again, it was a miraculous uh, provision that God provided. And that's the way God, uh, that's the way God works. He can provide in a miraculous way. The thing I want to drive home here is that God was true to his promises. He, he was true in providing Elijah trusted him. Elijah expressed faith in him. And uh, God followed through on that uh, promise. And we get to verse 7, and that's where the brook dries up. And, uh, you know, it's probably only natural that the brook dried up. It hadn't rained, and it wasn't raining. Uh, the land surrounding land was geographic area was getting drier. And uh, so the brook dried up. And uh, how long can a man live without water? Not very long. God had a, another plan in place, and uh, he instructed Elijah. You know, the powers of nature are limited, and uh, but remember that the powers of the God of nature are, are unlimited. God of, the powers of nature are limited, but the, the God who created nature is unlimited. And uh, God, of course, gave Elijah's instructions further, and he comes to Elijah's rescue and he instructs him that he needs to uh, uh, move to a different location. And as I thought about that, I, I thought that, uh, you know, what is our recourse when we face difficulties? Uh, Sarpath, the town that Elijah was instructed to go to, is actually the name means fairy trial. Uh, um, you know, you think about Elijah's experience here. So he's he had that message to deliver to Ahab, which is probably not a pleasant task. Knowing Ahab, knowing Jezebel, it was not something that he probably looked forward to. Um, and then he tells him to go hide, and you know, then he feeds him there as he promised, but now the stream dries up. And then he tells him to go to Sarpath, which was outside of the border of Israel. Just outside of the border of Israel, Sarpath. And uh, God is often light on details. Uh, he told him, he said, there will be a widow woman there that will sustain thee. And uh, that's where Elisha hung his hat. He said, sustenance is what I need. And uh, he didn't give him a house number. He didn't give him a lot of uh, other descriptions as to how he's going to find this widow woman. But he followed his instructions. And I thought about what Dennis uh, said the other, I don't know, it was the other Sunday. 
You know, God says go there. God says go there. And, you know, our, our expression of faith needs to be to follow there. And then as, as we get there, as Elijah got to Sarpath, that's when God revealed himself. And, and the rest of the details. You know, is it walking by faith if we, if God gives us a total package right away? Okay, I want you to do this, but this is all you're going to encounter. That's not a real expression of faith. God wants us to simply follow in total faith, giving us the details we need at the time. And, you know, the, the challenge that comes to me as I think about that, would we follow, we had all the details. <laughs> would our faith be strong enough that if God gave us all the details? That's a challenge to me. God leaves the details maybe out many times for our benefit, for our good. And uh, either way, Elijah showed his commitment to God and his devotion to him in following and going to Sarpath. And God placed that widow woman there. She may have been identified as a widow woman, perhaps by her, maybe by her demeanor, maybe by her gathering, maybe by her dress, perhaps. She could have been identified, but how many widow women's were in Sarpath? I don't know. But uh, Elijah took the uh, initiative here, and uh, he requested made had a request of her. In verse ten, there um, he asked her for a little water, which would seem like a normal. Not a very difficult request, reasonable, at least from Middle East standards. Uh, it was supposed to be a typical uh, courtesy that you would be willing to share uh, a cup of water uh, to a visitor. And uh, now if, if things were on the dry side, I suppose that would have probably carried a little, more, a little more of a sacrifice. Uh, so he asked for that cup of water, and uh, she seems to have... Um, no reservations and as she verse 11 at least she responds in, in going to fetch it but after she responds he he calls after her and he says uh, by the way he says I, I would like to have a, a little bit of something to sustain me as well a little morsel a morsel of bread in thine hand you know bring that to me and that's where the that's where the problem came in uh I don't know if she thought Elijah didn't uh, couldn't see that maybe she was at her total wits end, total sustenance, and uh, so she took the liberty to tell him. She said, "Well, really," she said, "I I've got just a little bit. I've got enough for my son and I for one last meal, and you're asking for my very last bit that I have." And uh, Elijah reiterated his request and. Uh, uh, so uh, he qualifies it in his request there. And uh, he says, As the Lord God liveth, I have, or she says, As the Lord God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a course. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I, may, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son and that we may eat it and die. Total desperation as I see in her response to Elijah. Um, down to the very end. And that's... Maybe where we need to be sometimes. We need to be down to the very last thing. And uh, Elijah ends up being her channel of salvation in his commitment to the Lord and his uh, faith. Elijah said unto her, verse 13, Fear not. And uh, as Elijah gave that message to her, he said, Go and do as thou hast, but make me therefore a little cake first and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. So we see this widow woman transitioning from from flour to faith as she followed through in Elijah's request. She transitioned with that little bit of flour 
and in faith prepared that morsel for Elijah, a morsel of bread for him. And God rewards our uh, expression of faith. God will reward your expression of faith this morning, mothers, as you give yourselves in commitment to your role. You know, with myself, resources are limited. With yourselves, mothers, your resources are limited. But with God, the resources are unlimited, totally unlimited. Uh, you know, we choose. We make the choice. This woman made the choice that she was willing to follow through in an expression of faith and prepare that last meal. I don't know when the, when this, when the meal appealed, appeared in the barrel. I have an idea. She made that last meal and then she took that bread to Elijah and I think the barrel was empty. That's my, that's my feeling. And as she came back from delivering that, that morsel of bread to Elijah, can you imagine looking in that barrel again and there's enough meal for another meal? That's the way God works. And He's glorified by working that way. If we only allow, if we only allow ourselves to trust Him to that degree. And that's a challenge to me. We make that choice. You know, I don't think it's going to work if we, if we say, God, I'm waiting, I'm waiting on you. I'm going to make that bread until you start multiplying that meal. Uh, I don't think God will work that way. This widow had a choice. You know, faith, I was blessed with this truth. Faith isn't about huge projects. It may involve huge projects, but faith is really, really, for you and I, it's about everyday life. It's about everyday life. It needs to find its expression in our everyday life. Mothers, it needs to find it in doing the simple tasks of whatever needs to be done at home. We all, mothers, we all need to embrace that, that truth of trusting the Lord taking our last and giving it to Him. So I thought about Elijah's comfort to her. He said, fear not. And as we read down through there, Father, after the son, after her son died, probably her only son, you know, you know what her response was to Elijah? He said, uh, she said to him, he said, uh, um, art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? I don't know if this woman, you know, like I said, God doesn't tell us everything, but this woman may have well been a, uh, a follower of, of Baal and may have been involved in sacrifices to Baal as well. And as God is working in her life through Elijah and she's seeing what the power of God in his relation to her, uh, and things are going well. It says they ate for many. She and he and her house, she and he, she and Elijah and her son and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the course of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. It was God that provided that. They didn't fail. You know, the quantity doesn't matter. It can be just a little meal. It can be just a little oil. But who you give it to makes all the difference. Who you give it to makes all the difference. 
Another thing, another truth that I was impressed with as I looked at this woman is is, is the impact her faith had on others. Um, and, and mothers, this is a truth for you to take home today. You'll never realize how much your faith impacts, how far that impact goes. Her faith, her expression of faith sustained her household. It, it reached to a broader than just herself personally. And that's, that's a sign of a healthy faith when it reaches out and impacts others' lives. Well, looking at the uh, second scenario here, as they were eating the meal and they were being sustained, God comes a second time. And I'm not sure uh, exactly. I, mean, I know God, nothing happens outside of God's control. And this uh, woman's son, <clears throat> verse 17, fell sick. And the sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And I'm not sure what you call that, uh, what the, what exactly what happened. But uh, he died. Evidently died, and uh, was it respiratory? You know, today in our culture, we like to nail everything down. <laughs> and uh, you know, was it a respiratory illness? Did he have a cold? Was it a heart issue? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But God allowed it to happen. You know, God first of all worked with this woman's uh, the external things, the things that sustain life, and then He reached in and probably touched a little closer home, and. Uh, So I was, uh, as I look at what transpired here, as we think, it, as we think of this uh, widow woman, poor woman losing her son, uh, you know, is there anything really? Uh, the question I ask myself: Is there anything that's really off limits for God to touch? Um, we like to think sometimes there are things that are off limit. We we hold them near and dear, and. Uh, but really, in reality, I, I have to realize there's nothing, absolutely nothing, in this world that God, uh, that, that God owes me. Whether it's health, whether it's wealth, whether it's life, God really doesn't owe any of that to me. Everything is a gift from Him. There's absolutely nothing that's off limits for, that God cannot lay His, His finger on and touch. I, I thought of Job, and the story is, Probably familiar to all of us, you know, uh, you know the way the sequence of, e- of events went in Job's experience. Is there absolutely anything that is off limits that God cannot reach in, touch, and take? And that's the question I ask as I looked at this woman's experience where she lost her son. Um, I was encouraged as you look at verses nineteen and twenty. Again, Elijah rising to the occasion and interceding in behalf of this this woman. And uh, I was, uh, as you think of the role of motherhoods, uh, as we think of the role of mother and motherhood, we think of, uh, you know, that's one thing I think that, that mothers exceed at and excel at is that of interceding in behalf of others. And uh, God bless you as you do that from time to time. It was a further test of her faith that uh, as she saw her son lose his life, being removed from him, from her presence. And uh, again, 
As I thought about the aspect of intercession, I thought about Christ. He's interceding in our behalf for us. And uh, we rejoice in that truth this morning that Christ intercedes in our behalf, even as Elijah, a type of Christ here, interceded in behalf of the, the widow woman losing her son. Elijah seems to, in verse 21, Elijah seems to have understood an, a dimension of eternal life that uh, is uh, somewhat veiled perhaps in the Old Testament. It says that uh, he prayed to God and he said, Let this child's soul come into him again. Let this child's soul come into him again. So he, he seems to have understood that this child's soul was living somewhere else, outside of the body. And uh, so I was challenged with that truth that Elijah had an understanding of eternal life. It does not all end here today. It's, it's a much bigger picture than that. And uh, Elijah interceded and God, for his honor, for his glory, uh, allowed that soul to be brought back into the body of the child. And the soul of the child came into him again and he revived and uh, one can only imagine the joy and the uh, the uh, ecstasy that this woman, this widow woman, experienced when Elijah presented her son back to her again. Uh, I have imagined it. Uh, it was more than seeing the meal and the oil in the barrel and the course. You know, this this is something phenomenal. This is something beyond ever happening again and uh, happening before. The woman's testimony in verse 24, And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. And uh, she was embracing that. If she had been a follower of Baal before, she now, I believe, was embracing by her testimony the God of Israel. And uh, so that's a challenge I want to... uh, you know, our faith needs to take us somewhere. Our faith needs to produce results. And uh, so the recipe that I want to leave with you is a never-fail recipe. You need to follow the Master Chef's recipe, God. And you need to give Him all your assets. Even if it is just a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil in the course of your physical vessel, you need to share it with others. This woman was willing to share. She could have said, look, this is the last... I don't know if I have enough for everybody, but her faith extended and reached out to others. And uh, if you're not sure of the recipe, if you're not sure of procedures, uh, if you're lacking, I believe you need to ask and pray to God. And again, that's another virtue that I think mothers excel in. They're prayer warriors, and we thank you for that. I'd like to remind you, mothers, this morning, the flour dough that you're working with is alive. Even as the woman's son had a soul within her, the sourdough, uh, the children that you're working with, your homes, have life, have eternal life. And it has life in it, a little bit like, we might say, sourdough starter. And uh, it needs to be preserved. I'd like to encourage each one of us to follow God's recipe for faith. From flower to faith, it will produce sustaining spiritual growth in each of our lives.